Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. singing Jai Radha Madhava. Hare Krishna, everybody. Welcome to a beautiful Colorado Saturday morning. We'll begin with Jai Radha Madhava. Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalabha Girivarathari Jaya Gopi Janavallava Givadhari Jashodananda Nabraja Janaranjana Jashodananda Nabraja Janaranjana Jamuna Tiravanachari Jamuna Tiravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे जय गौरानिताय जय गौरानिताय जय गौरानिताय जय गौरानिताय जय गौरानिताय 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 जय गौरानिताय जय राधा गोविंद राधा गोविंद श्री राधे जय राधा गोविंद राधा गोविंद श्री राधे जय जगन्नाथ जय जगन्नाथ जय बलदेव जय सुपद्रा जय जगन्नाथ जय जगन्नाथ जय बलदेव जय सुपद्रा प्रभुपाद 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 जय जय प्रभुपाद 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 जय जय प्रभुपाद गुरुदेव 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 जय जय गुरुदेव 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 जय जय गुरुदेव इसी भक्तनाथ स्वामी शिला प्रभुपाद की जय शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्री श्री राधा गोविंद श्री जगन्नाथ बलदेव सुभद्रम महारानी एंड श्री श्री गौरणी ताय की जय Uh, we'll be reading from Shrimad Bhagavatam, Canto Four, Part One, Chapter Eight, and it's a string of verses starting from text fourteen and culminating to text nineteen. So, if you'd like to follow along, please do so. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So I'll read the uh, Sanskrit 
and the translation for all of the verses. And then if you all like, we can do the call and response on the last verse, text 19, which has the uh, longer purport. Maitra Uvacha Matu Sapatnya Suduruti Vidha Shwasandrusha Dandahato Yatahi Hitva Mishantam Pitaram Sannavacham Jagama Matu Prarudan Sakasham. The sage Maitreya continued My dear Vidura, as a snake when struck by a stick, breathes very heavily. Dhruva Maharaj, having been struck by the strong words of his stepmother, began to breathe very heavily because of great anger. When he saw that his father was silent and did not protest, he immediately left the palace and went to his mother. Text 15. Dhamnishvasantam Surida Dharot Taroshtam Sunitirutsanga Udhaya Balam Nishamyatat Paura Mukhan Nitantam Savivyate Yat Gaditam Sapatnya. When Dhruva Maharaj reached his mother, his lips were trembling in anger and he was crying very grievously. Queen Suniti immediately lifted her son onto her lap while the palace residents who had heard all the harsh words of Suruchi related everything in detail. Thus Suniti also became greatly aggrieved. Sotsrijyadhayam vilalap shoka davagnina davalateva bala vakyam sapatnya smarati saroja shriyadrisha bhashpa kalam uvaha the incident was unbearable to Suniti's patience. She began to burn as if in a forest fire, and in her grief, she became just like a burnt leaf and so lamented. As she remembered the words of her co-wife, her bright lotus-like face filled with tears, and thus she spoke. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. When a man is aggrieved, he feels exactly like a burnt leaf in a forest fire. Suniti's position was like that. Although her face was as beautiful as a lotus flower, it dried up because of the burning fire caused by the harsh words of her co-wife. Text 17. Dirgam shvasanti vrijinasya param apashyati balakam ahabala Mamangalam tatapareshu mamstha bhunkte janoyat para dukkadastat. She was also breathing very heavily, and she did not know the factual remedy for her painful situation. Not finding any remedy, she said to her son, My dear son, don't wish for anything inauspicious for others. Anyone who inflicts pain upon others suffers himself from that pain. Text 18. Satyam surachya bihitam bhavanme yad durbhagaya udare grihita stanyena vriddascha vilajatteyam bharyeti vavodum idashpatirmam. Suniti said, 
my dear boy, whatever has been spoken by Surichi is so, because the king, your father, does not consider me his wife or even his maidservant. He feels ashamed to accept me. Therefore, it is a fact that you have taken birth from the womb of an unfortunate woman, and by being fed from her breast, you have grown up. So text 19. So this is the one, if you all like, we can do um, a call and response. So I'll begin with the word for words. Apishta, just execute. Tat, that. Tata, my dear son. Vimatsara, without being envious. Tvam, unto you. Uktam, said. Samatra api, by your stepmother. Yat, whatever. Avyalikam, they are all factual. Aradhaya, just begin worshiping. Adhokshaja, the transcendence. Padapadmam, lotus feet. Yadi, if. Itchase, desire. Adhyasanam, to be seated along with. Uttama, your stepbrother. Yata, as much as. Atish. Atishtatatatavimatsarastvam Uktam samatrapiyad avyalikam Aradhayadhokshajapadapadmam Yadichase dhyasanam uttamo yatha Atishtatatatavimatsarastvam Uktam samatra piyad avyalikam Aradhaya dhokshajapadapadmam Yadichase dhyasanam uttamo yatha Atishtatatatavimatsarastvam Uktam samatra piyad avyalikam Aradhaya dhokshajapadapadmam would anybody like to chant the verse? Atista tat tat tavimatsarastvam Uktam samatra piyada vyalikam Aradhyaya dokshajapada padmam Thank you. There's a, not anybody else, and I'll continue on with the translation. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. My dear boy, whatever has been spoken by Surichi, your stepmother, although very harsh to hear, is factual. Therefore, if you desire at all to sit on the same throne as your stepbrother Uttama, then give up your envious attitude and immediately try to execute the instructions of your stepmother. Without further delay, you must engage yourself in worshiping the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. 
the harsh words used by Suuchi to her stepson were true because unless one is favored by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one cannot achieve any success in life. Man proposes, God disposes. Suniti, the mother of Dhruva Maharaj, agreed with her co-wife's advice that Dhruva engage himself in the worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Indirectly, the words of Suruchi were a benediction for Dhruva Maharaj. For because of the influence of his stepmother's words, he became a great devotee. Chai. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale. Srimate Giriraja Swami Nitinamine Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale. Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Nitinamine. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashata Deshatarine Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Shadi Gauravata Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Vancha kalpatarubhyascha kripa sindhubhyavacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavedhyo namo namaha. So before I begin, I'd like to humbly entreat and beg uh, the blessings of my dear most Gurudev, Girad Swami, Srila Prabhupada, the predecessor Acharyas, all of the assembled Vaishnavas, Shishi Radha Govinda, Shishi Gornitai, and Shri Jagannath Baladev Supadra Maharani, that I may speak something of substance on the string of verses uh, coming from the chapter Dhruva Maharaj Leaves Home. So please have mercy on me. So, the string of verses deals with uh, the aftermath of Suruchi's very harsh words to her stepson, Dhruva Maharaj. Dhruva Maharaj is the son of the elder co-wife, Suniti. But unfortunately, because of circumstance, uh, Suruchi is the favorite and Suniti is, as she says herself, uh, not even considered to be a wife or even a maidservant. So upon hearing these words through Maharaj, uh, as if uh, struck by a stick, leaves enraged and goes to the only person that he knows can give him some, some solace and that is his mother. And when Suniti takes Dhruva Maharaj upon her lap uh, and learns of the harsh words that were spoken by her co-wife, she's devastated. Her heart burns. It's described that she, she's uh, like a burnt leaf and she laments her pitiable condition. But even in her, in her pain, 
even when afflicted so grievously. She does not wish any ill upon anyone. Instead, she tells Dhruva that one should not think ill or wish any ill upon anybody because that will only uh, inflict pain on oneself. And we see that she is quite uh, sensible. She understands the reality of her situation, uh, that it's unfortunate that, that the king, the father of Dhruva, uh, doesn't even consider him or consider her to be a legitimate wife, nor even a maidservant. So she tells Dhruva that actually what, what your stepmother has spoken, there's some truth in her words, even though she's delivered them in malice and out of envy, uh, there, is, uh, there is truth in them. That the only way that Dhruva can achieve his aim and Dhruva, you know, he wanted to sit on his father's lap it wasn't, you know, as any young child, he, he was just looking for affection, uh, wanted to climb upon his lap. There was a spot for Uttam, uh, his stepbrother who was sitting on his father's lap. And, and there was another spot where Dhruva could have spoke, sort of sat. It wasn't so much an issue of who would become the next emperor or ruler. But the way Suruchi interprets the situation uh, Suniti tells Dhruva that the only way that, that Dhruva can achieve his aim of sitting on his father's lap, uh, that, or in other words, sitting on the throne with his stepbrother would be to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So when I first uh, read this pastime, the exposition of the Dhruva Leela, Suruchi's harsh words really uh, struck me in disbelief. I, I approached them with a, a, a modicum of incredulity, you can say, because I couldn't believe that somebody could be so petty and cruel. But alas, we know that at times, and this is reality, this is a historical incident, uh, that reality can sometimes be stranger than fiction. Some questions that came to my mind uh, when I read this story, was that, you know, we're speaking about uh, the descendant of Swayambhuvamanu, the son of Lord Brahma, very exalted person. So how could this happen in the home of a descendant uh, of the exalted Swayambhuvamanu? Because Uttanapad is the son of Manu. Then how could a royal mother Suruchi, uh, a queen who is meant to see all her subjects as her children, be so incredibly cruel and spew such injurious words uh, and deny the legitimacy of her very own stepson. And finally, how could the king, who, who indeed was more affectionate towards Suruchi, but how could he be so henpecked and sit in silence while this injustice is perpetrated on his legitimate son, Dhruva. So the Bhagavatam, the pastimes in the Bhagavatam have layers of meaning and we can approach this dilemma or these doubts 
at least I approach these doubts by first analyzing Suruchi's character. Suruchi is the younger co-wife and you can say she's somewhat spoiled. She's emboldened by her favoritism, uh, by, by Utanapad's favoritism towards her and Utanapad's uh, fawning love of her. And because of that, she has been intoxicated with power from her position. And this power has led her to become prideful and envious of somebody so innocent as a five-year-old child. Uh, the deeper reason is that she wants uh, her progeny to sit on the throne. You know, she's the younger co-wife and she wants to secure the throne and deny Dhruva his position. So through the medium of Suruchi, we can see a vivid illustration of the materialistic platform. When one becomes uh, too engrossed by material attachment uh, and ambition, uh, one is dictated by their uncontrolled senses and desires and they act in, in such ways that, that are uh, transgressing even basic etiquette. So in short, uh, Suruchi's uh, dealings showcase the nature of the material world. The material world, Srila Prabhupada and Sri Krishna states is Dukalayam Ashashvatam. Dukha Alayam, it's a place of suffering, Dukha. And Ashashwatam, it's temporary. And so, although it is quite uh, difficult to hear and read, uh, this is in fact the world we live in. So that is one way to see uh, the situation. But upon a deeper analysis, we can understand that Suruchi's words are in fact a catalyst. Srila Prabhupada says that they were indirectly a benediction, that even though they were spoken with vengeance, what Suruchi spoke had truth in it. She stumbled upon the truth. Suniti urges Dhruva, understanding Suruchi's words, Suniti guides Dhruva as a well-intentioned benefactor would to worship and petition the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That my dear boy, you have a desire. Uh, so you should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead because only he uh, can uh, fulfill that desire. That you may wish something, man may want something as Prabhupada says, man proposes but all, the ultimate sanction lies in the hands of Krishna or God, God disposes. And there's a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam that uh, supports this statement. Akama sarva kama va moksha kama udharadhi dhivrena bhakti yogena yajate purusham param. A person who has broader intelligence whether he be full of all material desire, without any material desire, or desiring liberation must by all means worship the Supreme Whole, the personality of Godhead. 
So because Dhruva Maharaj was desirous and simply he wanted to sit on his father's lap, but it was a material desire. He wanted you know, to be acknowledged. Uh, so uh, he was uh, guided to approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the incident in the palace, although very heinous, becomes a providential arrangement. And this was discussed in yesterday's class, the word providential. One of the meanings, the lesser known meanings is that something that is providential involves divine foresight or intervention. So what you can say that it was uh, Krishna's hand uh, that was uh, causing this to happen so that Dhruva Maharaj, uh, it would pave the way for him to become a great devotee. So in, in that light, Suruchi becomes an instrument in the greater plan of the divine. And so although it brings up feelings of anger, at least it did for me, uh, the blame cannot be solely ascribed to her. This point of ascribing blame or attributing blame uh, is, should be understood. And we can invoke a Shastric example uh, to further elucidate. Um, the Shastric example is that of uh, the dialogue between Maharaj Parikshit after he is coronated in a sense to the throne and uh, Dharma who has taken the form of a bull Maharaj Parikshit, a good king, um, was interested personally in protecting all of his constituents, uh, both man, woman, children, and animals. And so when he saw that there was an injustice being done to Dharma, uh, the personality of religion who had assumed the form of a bull, and uh, Mother Surabi, the cow, he immediately uh, rose to action. So I'll read some uh, translations from Canto 1, Chapter 17. Uh, it's a selection of texts that describe uh, Maharaj Parikshit's questions and the very enlightening responses of Dharma the bull, who at that time, Dharma and uh, Surabi, the cow, were being uh, harassed and tortured by uh, the personality Kali, who had taken the form of a Shudra. So Sutta Goswami says, after reaching that place, Maharaj Parikshit observed that a lower caste Shudra, dressed like a king, was beating a cow and a bull with a club, as if they had no owner. Maharaj Parikshit repeatedly addressed and questioned the bull. Oh, son of Surabi, who has cut off your three legs? In that state of the kings who are obedient to the laws of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, there is no one as unhappy as you. And the bull subsequently responds, Oh, greatest among human beings, it is very difficult to ascertain the particular miscreant who has caused our sufferings because we are bewildered by, the all, by all the different opinions of the theoretical philosophers. 
Some of the philosophers who deny all sorts of duality declare that one's own self is responsible for his personal happiness and distress. So that would be your own karma. Others say that superhuman powers are responsible. So that would be the daivas or uh, heavenly controllers. While yet others say that activity is responsible and thus the gross materialists and the gross materialists maintain that nature is the ultimate cause. So you can see, even though it was evident that Dharma and Surabhi the cow were being tortured by uh, Kali in the form of a Shudra who had cut off three of Dharma's legs, still when questioned directly about who was responsible, who was the cause of it, uh, the bull Dharma uh, responds in this way. And so it is very difficult uh, to point, you know, to, to ascribe blame, you can say, or to pinpoint that such and such is the cause. And when we look at this Leela, the reason Maitreya Muni is so enthusiastic about relating the Leela of Dhruva is that he, that this circumstance serves as an impetus for him to take uh, to devotional service and he becomes fully self-realized in his pursuit. The young boy Dhruva uh, subsequently leaves home after, uh, upon the recommendation of his mother, he meets his guru Narad Muni, uh, who tests him first and then accepts him. And then he engages in severe austerities to please uh, Sri Vishnu. It's unparalleled, the kind of austerities he performs. And within a short span of six months time, uh, Vishnu uh, becomes immensely pleased with Dhruva Maharaj and reveals himself to his devotee first within the heart and then externally Vishnu becomes visible to him. So the upshot of this is that uh, we can take this lesson uh, about how to approach adverse circumstances in life. How do we see an adverse circumstance or a calamity? And the pure devotees teach us that an adverse circumstance is seen as the merciful hand of the divine. And there's two Shastric examples that I would like to discuss uh, in this relation. The first is uh, one that is very dear to all Vaishnavas, the Govardhan Leela. So as we know, uh, the residents of Gokul uh, were worshiping Indra, uh, the demigod in charge of rain so that he would send rain so that the crops would grow when the cows would be fed. But Krishna advised uh, differently. He, he told Nanda Maharaj that you need not worship Indra. Just worship this hill, worship Govardhan. And Govardhan is actually non-different from Krishna and he's the best servant of Krishna. So in his anger, Indra, sends torrential downpour, you know, the clouds of devastation, some Vartaka clouds. He sends these clouds to uh, 
harass the residents of Vrindavan. And the residents of Vrindavan have nobody but Krishna from whom to seek shelter. They sought out protection from Krishna and Krishna delivered. He lifted the Govardhan hill for seven days and seven nights while the torrential downpour ensued. And a deeper reason is that the, this opportunity provided the residents of Raj to have uninterrupted darshan of Sri Krishna, you know, to their heart's content. Because ordinarily, they would spend some, for example, Mother Jashoda would spend some time with Krishna in the morning, and then Krishna would leave because he would go to uh, herd the cows, and he would give his association to the cowherd boys, and Mother Jashoda would be bereft. But this particular circumstance, uh, the lifting of Govardhan Hill, uh, allowed uh, or gave an opportunity for the residents of Raj to see Krishna face to face, all of the residents to see Krishna face to face and drink that nectar through the eyes. The uh, next example is Queen Kunti in the Pandavas. And as we know, uh, the tale of Mahabharat is filled with many, many instances of intrigue and assaults on the lives of the Pandavas uh, the righteous brothers uh, and Queen Kunti, their mother. In fact, they had to endure so much trials and tribulations repeatedly. And in so doing, they simply patiently tolerated all of the trespasses on their families. You know, some to, to mention a few, the poison cake, uh, which was delivered uh, by the Kauravas headed by Duryodhan uh, so that the Pandavas would die. The house of lacquer, which was set ablaze, uh, sending them into exile and usurping their kingdom, uh, having them engage in a rigged gambling match and robbing them of all of their possessions and ultimately culminating uh, in the pivotal moment of the attempted disrobing of uh, Queen Draupadi. And in spite of all of these uh, setbacks, what does Queen Kunti say to Krishna uh, when Krishna is leaving, after the war is over, when Krishna is leaving back to Dwarka, to go back to Dwarka, what does she say while Krishna is on the chariot and she is at the side of the chariot? She says, I wish that all those calamities would happen again and again so that we could see you again and again. For seeing you means that we will no longer see repeated births and deaths. So these are very elevated devotees. Obviously the residents of Raj, they're seeing Krishna face to face uh, Queen Kunti, who is an exalted personality herself, who's also seeing Krishna face to face and praying this way. But they, they can teach us, even though we may not be on that level, uh, they can teach us how to approach adverse circumstances in life. And be rest assured that adverse circumstances will happen because it's an inevitable quality of the world. 
It's a function of the material modes and interaction of time. Happiness and distress arise from um, sense perception. You know, this, is, this is a duality that is inherent in this world. But when adverse circumstances happen, we can approach them in positive ways. We can see the circumstance as a form of purification, a means to growth by engaging in self-introspection. One can learn what one may have done to elicit a certain circumstance or what one can do to work around a particular difficult circumstance. And then secondly, the circumstance itself can help, uh, may even help deepen one's connection with the Lord. When one is beset with difficulty, one can call out to Krishna in utter dependence and helplessness and simply patiently await his mercy. And this is uh, in contrast to the usual way people respond to adversity. Usually they may challenge God or become agnostic or atheist or engage in intoxication, drugs and alcohol. But the devotee negotiates adverse adversity with grace and dignity. And I'd like to conclude with a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, one of my very favorite verses, uh, that encapsulates the mood of the devotee. Tatte nukampam susumikshamanam bunjana evatma krutam vipakam rudvagvapur bhir vidadhan namaste jiveta yo mukti pada sadaya bhak. My dear Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions of his past misdeeds and offering you respectful obeisances within his heart, words, and body, is surely eligible for liberation, for it has become his rightful claim. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada reveals, this is at the conclusion of the purport, a sincere devotee earnestly desires to go back to the Lord's abode. Therefore, he willingly accepts the Lord's merciful punishment and continues offering respects and obeisances to the Lord within his heart, words, and body. Such a bona fide servant of the Lord, considering all hardship a small price to pay for gaining the personal association of the Lord, certainly becomes a legitimate son of the Lord as indicated here by the words, daya bhak. Just as one cannot approach the sun without becoming fire, one cannot approach the supreme pure Lord Krishna without undergoing a rigid purificatory process, which may appear like suffering, but which is in fact a curative treatment administered by the personal hand of the Lord. So rest assured that if one has taken to the path of bhakti, the path of devotion, Krishna is personally involved in your care. And whatever comes, be it good or bad, is meant to help us, not hurt us. So I'll end there.
Hare Krishna. We can take any comments, criticisms, questions at this point. Thank you, Prabhu. I really appreciate all the points that you made and how you connected the Dhruva Maharaj, his experience and Sumiti's experience with uh, with the other pastimes too, the Govardhan and in the Mahabhar with the <clears throat> with the Queen Kunti. So um, it's a it's a big theme. It's a big theme, and um, I think most of us can relate to it for sure. But uh, I was also thinking how what was standing out to me was how how important it is how we use our words carefully. Um, that harsh speech can create such a a domino effect of Rajiv Maharaj being feeling hurt and his mother and and yes, there was truth to his to the words. At the same time, um, you know. There was there was def definitely a good in it, and also just how hurtful words can be. If I I actually um, when I was reading the string of verses and translations, I had thought that I would speak also about that about harsh words, but time is limited, so. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a very um, prominent theme. And these texts, you know, about uh, choosing words with uh, pre precision and also uh, to choose words uh, that don't, that are not injurious, that don't harm others, that uh, the nature, uh, austerity of speech is to speak words that are pleasing, truthful and pleasing to others. And, uh, you know, she, Suruchi is speaking simply uh, out of vengeance. You know, she's speaking because she's materialistically inclined. Um, and she's actually telling Dhruva that he has to leave his body uh, before and take birth again uh, from her womb before he can have the uh, exercises claim to sit on his father's lap. So, uh, it, I mean, it's quite stark and, and hurtful, you know, what she's saying. And so definitely definitely agree with you on this point that, you know, uh, we should choose our words wisely because they are a reflection of our, of our consciousness, of our mental state. And, and we should speak in a way so as not to disturb others. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's stated when uh, Brigu Muni went, uh, you know, he wanted to test who is the supreme deity so he, he approached Brahma, he approached Shiva, and he approached Vishnu. And with Lord Brahma, he committed an offense in his mind, um, and Brahma became enraged. And with Lord Shiva, he committed offense with his speech. And of course, Lord Shiva became very angry. Uh, but with Vishnu, he, he, even though he committed offense physically, you know, Lord Vishnu was unaffected by it. So, you know, this, but through our speech, you know, one takeaway from the story is that through our speech, we, 
most definitely can commit offenses. So it's really important to speak uh, in a pleasing way, truthful and pleasing way. Thank you. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna, dear mother. Humble no basis. Uh, thanks, Prabhu, for a nice class. Um, sometimes people get confused um, when they know that uh, in the system of um, karma that all, different persons are instruments of the Lord. And they wonder, you know, how does the justice system work? Like, you know, Dharma, the bull doesn't really want to say who's the perpetrator because he's thinking, you know, uh, that uh, he's just an instrument. So people wonder about the justice system and like capital punishment. And well, if you say that, you know, this person's just an instrument, so why should I do anything about, you know, the so-called perpetrator. I'm not supposed to point out the perpetrator. So it becomes like a really confusing thing. And uh, maybe you can make some um, uh, sense out of it all. <laughs> Thank you. So um, when, I, when I read this pastime of Dharma the Bull, you know, at the beginning of the pastime, it, you know, it's, it's stated very plainly that, uh, that, you know, the Shudra, Kali, who had assumed the form of a Shudra, uh, was harassing the bull and the cow. So as the reader, we, we're well aware of uh, that he is doing this action. He is uh, performing this, this heinous act. But the way that uh, the dhar Dharma, the bull, uh, sees it is that, um, you know, he may have done something in the past to deserve that. And so even though Dharma the bull is the instrument, uh, is the uh, person, I mean, I mean, the Shudra is the instrument, the person who is uh, meted out by karma uh, uh, to uh, cause him harm. Uh, ultimately, you can say that it may have been caused um, by his own action in the past, Dharma the Bull's action. That's one way to look at it. But in terms of, um, you know, in terms of uh, every day, uh, you know, if one is consciously performing uh, some criminal activity, then, uh, you know, th they are responsible for the act that they have done. Uh, it's not that one can invoke uh, karma as an excuse uh, to um, avoid punishment. Um, karma, it's, it's, it's uh, working, um, it, it's very subtle, but it is definitely working uh, in the background. But through different people or different personalities or events become vehicles uh, for the expression of our karma. So, in fact, you know, in, in the Shastra, as far as capital punishment is concerned, um, you know, it, it says quite plainly that, you know, if somebody kills somebody, then uh, it's, it, it's like Hammurabi's code that, you know, an eye for an eye, that they should be killed because 
Uh, it's to prevent uh, dealing with uh, the reaction of that heinous act in the future, that if the, if the justice of the peace uh, meets out a punishment to them, then they will be saved from further uh, suffering in the future. So those are my thoughts on that um, question. Uh, if I hope that answers your question. If you would like to chime in also, Mother Nidra. Thanks, Vibhu. Yeah, so just seeing that there are, um, you know, divine laws, I mean, there's civil laws and all that, but um, especially that there's divine laws. So they act and um, they're acting in a way to help the conditioned soul eventually get rectified. So um, therefore, like that verse you quoted from Bhagavatam, we need to tolerate all this because ultimately it's going to help in the end. Yeah, so thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Hi, Krishna. Would anybody else like to? Um, Peru, there's a, a comment on a question on, online from Facebook, okay. a few actually. So one is from a devotee in the UK that tunes in often. Um, he says, thank you for the nice class, Prabhu. Quote, anyone who inflicts pain upon others suffers himself from that pain, unquote. Bhagavatam 4, 8, 17. Is this inflicting physical pain upon others or does wishing pain upon others also, or, okay. Is this inflicting physical pain upon others or does wishing pain upon others also apply? And is there any bearing on self-inflicting pain? Hmm. So my understanding is that uh, it, it is the, extends beyond the realm of physical pain. You know, you can inflict pain physically, but also as we know uh, verbally in this pastime, Suruchi uh, is inflicting, uh, it's a verbal assault on, on a young child um, and also emotional pain as well. And so uh, all these three forms, uh, verbal, emotional, physical, one has to, uh, one may get a reaction for that if they purposefully, intentionally or unintentionally uh, inflict pain on somebody, then they uh, may get it in return. And in, in the translation of that, uh, that verse 17 that you quote, uh, Suniti is telling Dhruva that don't wish for anything inauspicious for others, uh, that, that we should, the mood of the Vaishnava, the mood of the, the devotee is that they should uh, be looking for the good for everyone. You know, that let everyone be peaceful, let everyone be happy. Sarva Sukhina Bhavantu, that we are all children of, of God, of Krishna, 
and Krishna is supplying everybody uh, their necessities. So uh, give up, let us give up our envy and let us only wish good for everybody. And in that way, one can become happy. And as far as self-inflicting pain, That, that may also be a karmic circumstance, you know, whatever uh, psychic situation one is inherited through, the, through one's karma, you know, the, the mind can uh, cause immense pain, you know, uh, depression, psychosis, paranoia. Uh, one may be imprisoned in this particular circumstance for uh, this particular uh, in, in this body um, and, and deal with that because they may have done something in the past to deserve that. But, you know, through different therapies, um, both psychiatric and um, just by application of Krishna consciousness, sincere Krishna consciousness, one can lessen the, uh, the affliction um, the self-inflicted pain that one may feel. Um, it, it requires a lot of work, but it is possible. The mind is an instrument. And if it's, if one has a faulty instrument, you know, through endeavor, it can be fixed. It's difficult to do, but it can be done. But, um, so I, I hope that answers your question. There's, there's a, another comment, a few comments here. Um, from from Mata Shobha Parekh. She says that uh, Hare Krishna Suruchi's behavior was because of King Uttanapad's not doing his leadership properly. Her behavior reflects his lack of leadership and attachment. King Uttanapad is equally responsible for the whole incident. Thank you. I, um, yes, I, I think that there is truth in that, that statement. Um, you know, she, uh, Suruchi is emboldened um, because there is no check. Uh, Uttanapad is not checked, or in fact, Uttanapad is allowing it to happen. You know, he doesn't protest. And before leaving the assembly, the palace, Dhruva Maharaj uh, saw that, um, you know, his father had not said anything, uh, you know, in protest. And so, he felt it was a hopeless situation, so he went to the only place where he could find any shelter, and that was to his mother. Thank you, Ruth. That's good. All right. Is there anybody else? Okay. Grantaraj Shrimad Bhagavatam Ki. Jai. Jai. Hare Krishna, everybody. Everyone. Have a wonderful Saturday. Hare Krishna. Okay. Vanchika Prachal. Hare Krishna. 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 Hare Krishna